Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Good morning. My name is Jane. Um, I'm one of the pastoral team here at Burlington. It works. We have been reading through Mark's Gospel together, and today we have arrived at chapter 12. Now we come to a change of place. Jesus has arrived in Jerusalem, and there is a change of pace. Up to this point, Mark's Gospel has been action-packed, exciting, fast-moving, Mark travelled with Paul and Barnabas on their early missionary journeys. It's possible that that Barnabas was Mark's uncle. Later, Mark was with Peter in Rome, and that's where he gathered firsthand most of the material for his gospel. The gospel reflects the um, character of the apostle Peter. Dynamic and energetic. Written as these stories were only 30 years after Christ's death, we can believe in their authenticity. Just as we remember details of important events that have happened in our own lives or conversations that we may have had ourselves just 30 years ago. Those of you who are not old enough to have those sort of memories, will have heard from your parents or grandparents stories of their events and sad and happy times that they have experienced. And I'm sure that you will believe that they are true. Isn't that so? In chapter 12, we have several stories and teaching moments. Thoughtfully, Mark put these together. They speak of Christ's authority and his identity. Jesus revealed four things about his identity through his teaching. He is both human and divine. He understands and he feels the weight of our pain and sin. Because he is God, he has the authority to do something about it. He is able to forgive sin conquer death, and give us his righteousness. His work of salvation is complete. He has redeemed us. He sits at the right hand of God in glory and authority. He will return for his bride, the church. This morning we will look at just four teaching stories which Jesus told on that one day. First, Mark relates a parable about self-seeking, self-righteous people out to get what they can, looking out for what they think are their rights, challenging authority, forgetting, ignoring their responsibilities. Then Jesus teaches, give to Caesar what is his but to God, what is his? The next verses, Jesus reminds us 
of the two greatest commandments. The Lord our God is one Lord. Love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the foundation on which we base our every thought and action. And finally, chapter 12 ends with Mark telling how Jesus reflects on the actions of a poor widow. She gave her all. Trusting everything to God, she held nothing back. But let us look a little closer. Jesus is in Jerusalem. It's the last week before his death on the cross. A very crucial event had taken place only a few days before in Caesarea Philippi. As Jesus and the disciples travelled from Galilee up to Mount Hermon and on towards Jerusalem, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? Their eyes were opened. And they recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Until now, Jesus has revealed his identity very gradually to them, often hiding it, telling demons to be silent when they reveal who he is. Mark mentions three such occasions. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. They fell before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them orders to tell no one. And again, What do you want of me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? The disciples were slow to understand. At first, Jesus did not speak openly of his death and resurrection, but gradually led them to recognize his identity and confess it for themselves. He is the anointed Messiah, come to redeem his people not as a warrior king, as they thought, but as the servant king, obedient to the Father. Now is the appointed time for Jesus to go to Jerusalem, his death and resurrection. Today, Jesus asks us the same question. Who do you say that I am? Jesus wants a wholehearted, Acknowledgement that he is Lord. Then he can build his church, not as we think it should be, but in obedience to the Father. We must do it his way. The story this morning actually begins at the end of chapter 11. The Jewish leaders ask, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the authority to do this. Jesus replied, I will ask one question. Answer this and I will tell you 
by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven? They dare not answer. They knew the people believed that John the Baptist was a prophet from God. They had seen the signs and wonders performed by Jesus, fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. They were very well educated in the prophecies concerning the Messiah. Jesus fulfills all of these prophecies. But they do not want to admit the possibility that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. I wonder, was anyone there in Jerusalem present at John's baptism when he baptized Jesus? When the heavens opened and God spoke, you are my son, whom I love. In you I am well pleased. And so, since they could not answer him, Jesus begins to speak in parables. Now the tempo of Mark's gospel slows right down as Mark relates parables and teachings from Jesus. Mark leads us gently, thoughtfully, towards the main event which takes place at the end of that week. The cross and the resurrection. He has us sitting at Jesus' feet there in the temple courts, listening to awe-inspiring, powerful teaching. No one has spoken with such authority before. The first chapter in chapter 12, the first story in chapter 12, which Chris read, is about greedy tenants who believe they can pull a fast one over on the legitimate landowner. When the servants come to ask for a portion of the fruit for their lord, the tenants beat and misuse them. Time and again he sends his servants. Incidentally, the word lord used here is the word for God in the Greek. Then eventually the lord sends his son. Unbelievably, they kill him too. These tenants had it good, but they were grasping. They believed they had the right to all the produce from the vineyard, even to own or inherit the land. In those days, ancient law stated that if a landowner died without family to inherit his land, then the tenants could claim it for themselves. These tenants could only see their so-called rights. This vineyard is ours to do as we please. But what about their responsibility to the master? The meaning of the story isn't lost on the Jewish leaders. The Old Testament describes Israel as the vineyard and the prophets as the Son of God. Instead of thinking, oh no, he's referring to us, what should we, what must we do? Their hearts were hardened. They do not want their world to be shaken. They are comfortable. So the Pharisees ask, who does he think he is? And they are even more determined to kill him. Does this parable speak 
to us today? What about our responsibility to take care of the Father's property? His kingdom. Is it ours to do as we like? He has entrusted this world to us. And in the physical, I believe that we have a responsibility to care for the world. In the spiritual, he calls us to work with him. To tell people of the great news of his mercy. To tell people our stories of what he has done for us. Go and make disciples of all men and stand. Pray against the evil that Satan has brought into this world. Most importantly, we must pray. We are spiritual warriors, not victims. In the Holy Spirit, we can move mountains. There is power in prayer. We don't have time this morning to look at all our responsibilities. Perhaps that's something that we could do in the coming week. What is our responsibility to our workplace, to church, our parents, family, our community? Even when there's something we don't agree with, or do we moan behind people's backs about the boss, our church, family or friends? It has become almost fashionable to walk out, to say, I'm moving on. I want a divorce. This isn't doing anything for me anymore. It's all about me these days. But what about our responsibility to those we have built relationships with? Communities that we break by walking out. It's not about me. It's about us. And those who would be hurt if we turn away. We have responsibilities in every relationship to give of ourselves in every sphere of life work, home, marriage, family, and church. In verse 13, Mark tells of another encounter between Jesus, the Pharisees, and the Herodians. They try to trick Jesus with a question about taxes. Is it right to pay? the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Jesus replied, Give to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's. They hoped to trick Jesus. If he supported paying tax, the Pharisees would accuse him of being a religious compromiser. For all his talk about the kingdom of God they will be able to say that Jesus supports the blasphemous Roman system. Blasphemous because Caesar claimed to be divine. However, if Jesus challenges the legitimacy of the tax, then the Herodians will accuse him of sedition against the state, an offence punishable by death. How will Jesus answer this tricky question? Well, he asked someone to give him a coin, showing that he didn't carry one himself. Many Jews refused to carry this offensive currency. However, 
one of his accusers was able to pass a coin to him. That was clever. Without a word, Jesus shows them up. They don't mind using these coins. Jesus teaches us to submit to legal authority. But remember, God is sovereign over all. We don't really have a choice in this country. We have to pay our taxes. But we do have a choice about giving to God. Dare we question that? Withhold what is his? If we allow what we think are our rights to take priority over our responsibilities, we will have unhappiness, which will tarnish our relationships and our marriages. When we put our needs, our wants first, our relationships suffer. Jesus taught us to serve. And there is so much joy in serving God and each other. Challenging legitimate, trustworthy authority never has a good outcome. It never brings contentment. Anarchy breeds anger, discontent, unhappiness. We are so familiar with these stories that perhaps we miss the impact. It is essential to recognize and acknowledge who has authority. We all have to answer to authority, our boss, parents, the law of the land, our minister, priest or pastor. Under God, We give to those in authority what is rightfully expected. But to God, we give that which is his, our everything. I can't hold on to my own ideas or do my own thing if I accept that God is sovereign. I've heard people say, I don't want to be challenged. Well, then how do we grow? if we're not willing to examine our actions and our hearts, our way of life. And so I have to ask, what does God want of us? He wants our love. He wants us to love him with all our heart, mind and soul, and our neighbor as ourselves. We want to follow Jesus, live the life that he lived, love and care for those in need, as he did. We're good at that. You, you, you are good at that, very good. And yes, we ought to follow Jesus as our example. But is there anything that you're holding back? Time? finance, service? Are we fully committed? He doesn't ask us for more than we have to give. But yes, he asks us to give our all. Chapter 12 ends with the widow who could only see her responsibility. to give all that she had. 
To give as she did is an attitude of mind and heart. What a contrast between the religious leaders and this widow. The leaders rejected Christ. But this widow, who had no status, who didn't have a seat in the synagogue, or flowing white robes to show off in, she took her one and only penny and gave it to God. She gave up control of her life. The religious leaders gave large sums of money out of their plenty. The woman gave all that she had to live on. The Greek word used here, bios, literally means she gave her life. She entrusted her life to God. As we recognize the identity of Jesus, he is the son of the living God. We can trust in who he is. He understands our pain. He knows our sin. And he forgives and loves us anyway. We can trust him in everything. With our finances, job, spouse, or in our singleness. We ask him to take these things and to use them to build his kingdom so that many may come to know him. So this morning, we have asked the question, who do I say that Jesus is? I accept that he is sovereign. He has authority over my life. I accept my responsibility to do his will and be obedient to his leading. And I thank him for his love and for giving me this family. I will follow him in his humanity and worship him in his deity with all my heart, mind and strength. May we live in peace and unity. Amen.